Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to Psalm, Psalm 119. Psalm 119. We're marching through this wonderful psalm. Of course, it is the largest psalm inside of the Word of God. And each part of the psalm, there is divided into sections of eight verses. Each one correspond to one letter of the Hebrew alphabet. We have been marching through bit by bit, understanding that every verse speaks about the Word of God. However, it's not just a surface idea of that read your Bible, love the Bible, but we're seeing the background of it that the psalmist, whoever he is, is going through hard times and that this psalm is written for the idea to help him cling to the Bible in those hard times, in those difficult times, to help give him uh, instructions. And with it, like this psalm, part of the psalm that we'll see today, that we'll see some of the decisions he makes and why he makes those decisions. So we find ourselves to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, and if you wouldn't mind, notice with me <laughs> in starting at verse number 33. Psalm 119, starting at verse number 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I will keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go into the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy word unto thy servant, who is devoted to thy fear. Turn away my reproach, which I fear for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in Psalm 119? Psalm 119 in verse number 39. Notice the last um, part of that verse. For thy judgments are good. For thy judgments are good good. Now at some point, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ will have to decide what they think about the Bible. Now there's an assumption that a true believer won't hate the scriptures, but that does not automatically mean that they've decided to follow the scriptures wholeheartedly. Usually a believer is neutral in his belief of the uh, scriptures. That they see the scriptures as good, but not important for their entire life. And that's a true statement. Uh, One of the things as a pastor that I believe that my message is over and over for Christians. Read your Bible. 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 Why would I have to do that if 
Christians automatically got saved and said, hey, you know what, I'm going to read the Bible and follow it completely. Well, the reason Christians don't, they're not against the scriptures, but they've never made a decision that the Bible is important for every aspect of my life. Oh, sure, the Bible is important to have inside of church. And even then, if we were to be honest, most Christians don't even bring a Bible to church. They don't open the scriptures. Most Christians don't open the Bible to read it on a daily basis. They see it as something that I carry that makes me religious. But it's not something important. It's not something I need. And that's the, the, the state that most Christians find themselves in. They're not against the scriptures. But they're not necessarily for the scriptures either. Well, in here, the, the psalmist had to make a decision for himself. Thy judgments are good. And with this, we're going to see that because of this decision, there are a couple different applications, a couple different decisions. Because he has decided the scriptures are good, there are going to be three different ways that we're going to see this carried out in his life. The decision he makes is going to be followed up with three different statements. Now, we could see this decision. What kind of decision will you have towards it? Notice, first of all, we could see that thy judgments are good, and because thy judgments are good, teach them to me. Thy judgments are good, teach them to me. Notice with me in verse number 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and... I shall keep it unto the end. Now remember the idea of the way carries the idea of a path. That he says, teach me, O Lord, the way. Teach me the path that the Bible opens up for me. Teach me that way. He asked this Lord to teach him the scriptures, the way that they lead. Teach me what they are so I could see the next step and the next step. I could go down the path that you've clearly lined up for me. By the way, the Bible does lead us on a plain path. The Bible promised so. It's almost in my mind, I can envision that uh, on, on an airplane, when the lights are turned down, you have the middle aisle that's lit up. That's what the Bible does, is that it shows you the next step. And the next step, and it lights up the path for you. But there has to be a decision that I'm going to follow the Bible, and I'm going to allow me to guide my path. And I may be tempted to go over there, but the path says here, I'm going to follow the path. That's a decision that you have to make. You have to come to the conclusion that the Bible is good, thy judgments are good. And because of that, I want you to teach me the way. Not just so I could learn about the Bible and learn facts and figures, but I want the Bible to guide me in the path for my life. It's learning the scriptures to allow them to guide us. Now he pledges that, verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and because you teach me, I shall keep it unto the end. I'm going to teach this. I'm going to follow this. I'm going to believe it until the very end of the path that I have. You lead me in a path, and I'm going to believe it's the right way. This is a good decision. Many people have no problems following the Bible as long as the Bible lines up with what they want. But as soon as the Bible skews from where they want to go, then they have an issue. Oh wait, it's going to be fine. I'm going to leave the Bible here. Let me do what I want and eventually I'll come back this way. But the Bible knows which way we should take anyways. And there should be a decision that no matter what the Bible says, I'm going to do it. No matter what the Bible says, I'm going to believe it. No matter what the Bible says, I'm going to allow it to guide me. 
That's a decision that a Christian has to make. And there's not a lot of Christians who make that decision. The psalmist not only is asking for knowledge, but notice he asks for understanding. Verse 34, give me understanding and I shall keep the law. Now remember that knowledge is different than understanding. Understanding is better than knowledge. Anyone can fill their head full of facts and figures, but understanding what it means and understanding how it implies and understanding how it works is a different thing altogether. You know, we remember as kids or teenagers, you could give instruction and you hear the question, why? Well, with it, why sometimes gives us the understanding. Why should I read my Bible? Well, because he said so. No, because the Bible is good for me. Because the Bible fills me. The Bible tells me more about Christ. I want that understanding that God gives as we make a decision to follow after him. Do you know that there are some times you don't get understanding until you've made a decision to follow after God? The Proverbs speak about this quite a bit, that we make a decision to follow after God, then we get the understanding. Sometimes we want the understanding first, but we have to under, understand the principle that there's a decision that needs to be made first. If I decide to follow after Christ, he will give me understanding. But that understanding should be what I'm seeking. God doesn't want robots. He wants us to know what we're doing and why we're doing it. Why do I go to church? Well, because. Well, no, because this is a place where I get spiritually recharged, where I get to be taught more of the Bible so that way I could follow after him. I need that. That's important for me. And the psalmist is saying, give me understanding and I shall keep it. Notice this, he makes a further decision. Yea, I will observe it with my whole heart. My whole heart. More often than not, as we're talking about this understanding, that meditating, thinking, chewing on God's word will end up giving us understanding. Sometimes we say, well, I just don't get it. Well, have you taken some time to think about it? To mull it over? To ask God about a passage? God, pastor says that I need to read my Bible. Why should I read my Bible? You think about it and God, through his Holy Spirit, will give you that understanding as you mull over that passage. Not in a way of saying, well, listen, I don't understand why. But saying, Lord, I want to understand why I'm being asked this. I want to understand what I'm being told here. I want to understand what's the purpose of this. And as you meditate it and think upon it, mull it over, God will give you understanding, especially when you make a decision. That, so, Lord, you make it clear to me, I want to follow you with a whole heart, so give me understanding so that way I have no problems. That's a good prayer. That's a good decision. But it starts, it starts with a decision that I'm going to follow after God no matter what. As we make that decision, then he'll give us understanding. He'll show us the next step. He'll give us some more light to open up our eyes so we could do it wholeheartedly instead of robotic. Make sense? Not only do we understand that because thy judgments of good, that he's made a decision to teach them to me, he also says, thy judgments are good, incline my heart to them. Now, the first one was more of an intellectual decision. Lord, I know that the Bible's good, so I'm making a decision I'm going to follow. Teach me them so that way I can have knowledge. I want to have understanding. Those are all carrying the idea with our thoughts, our intellect. But notice this. Thy judgments are good, incline my heart 
to them. Now we're talking more of an emotional part of us. Notice with me, if you don't mind. Verse number 35. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments. Notice that first phrase. Make me. Now, normally, and let me just speak for myself. Normally, I would read that passage and I would miss the make me. He's saying, God, make me go to the path of thy commandments. Now, normally, there's enough rebellion in all of us that we're like, we don't want God to make me do anything. I don't want God to make me do anything. But notice this. He says, make me go into the path of righteousness. Why? Remember, we see this word for. We can often ask the question, why? Why? For therein do I delight. Now, that sounds like an, um, a contradictory statement. On one hand, he said, I love God's Bible. But then he says, make me. Well, if you love someone, do you really have to make them? Well, you do when you're two creatures, when you're two parts. Amen. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of Romans chapter 7. And Romans chapter 7 is going to be the parallel passage. It's going to be the Paul's New Testament explanation of what we see in this segment of the psalm. Romans chapter 7. Remember in the book of Romans, it is a doctrinal treatise speaking about salvation. And inside of it, the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is going to be walking through and explaining that we're not good people. It's explaining that we're all sinners. It explains that we don't naturally follow after God. As we continue with it, notice with me in the book of Romans chapter number 7. In Romans chapter 7, it describes that there is a battle going on. Romans chapter 7. And notice with me, if you don't mind, in, um, oh, let's start in verse number 14. Romans chapter 7 and verse number 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. And for that which I would, that I do I not. For that which I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, consent unto the law that is good. Now, then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that which I do not, it is no more I that doeth, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law, when I would do good, Evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is my members. Notice in verse 22. He says, Paul, I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Isn't that what the psalmist just said? He said, I delight in the law of the Lord. But then he said, make me. Why does he have to say make me? Because we're two natures. Inside of you, if you've come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have the Holy Spirit of God who lives with inside of you, who's made your spirit inside of you lit, and your spirit wants to obey the things of the Lord. 
However, when you got saved, you didn't get rid of your brand new or of your old nature. You still have this inner man, this carnal man who lives inside of you. And your carnal man hates everything of God. So if you want to read the Bible, guess what? Your carnal nature does not want to read the Bible. Your inner man wants to go to church. Your carnal man does not want to go to church. And there's a war that's going on constantly. And it's struggling in the Apostle Paul in... Romans chapter 7 is a mini. He says, listen, I'm the Apostle Paul. By the way, I'm nothing but a sinner saved by grace. But some of you think that I'm some super Christian. Let me tell you, I struggle daily. I've got a war going on even now. And it doesn't stop. And it's a war going on. Well, the psalmist had the same war. I delight in God's word. Make me to follow after. Make me to read your Bible. Make me. By the way, that's a mature prayer. Understanding that in your flesh, it doesn't want to read the Bible. And by the way, all you have to do is one moment in the flesh and you're not going to read the Bible. You go ahead and give in to the flesh. And, and he says, listen, in the times where my flesh is rebelling, I'm giving you permission. I'm asking as a prayer, make me. Make me. I don't feel like reading the Bible. I deal with folks all the time. Hey, have you been in your Bible this week? No. Why not? Didn't feel like it. Now, we understand that we all give excuses. We, you know, oh, I didn't have time. I didn't whatever. But if we are boiling it down, you know why people don't do anything? Because they don't want to. Why does people do anything? Because they want to. That's just the simple thing. And if we be honest, there's times we don't want to read our Bible. Well, if you don't want to read your Bible, what's going to make you read God's Word? Well, unless you've said, God, make me, you're not. And I think we're honest enough that many of us have failed and said, well, I didn't feel like reading my Bible, so I didn't read my Bible. Or there's something inside of us that says, I want to read my Bible. And your flesh gets more powerful. Nah, not a big deal. Don't want to. Right? I'm not the only sinner up here, right? We do that. So go back to Psalm 119 and verse 35. Make me to go in the path of righteousness. This is a mature prayer, understanding that in himself, he's not going to do it. There's going to be times his flesh is going to win out. His prayer, make me. Make me read my Bible. Make me walk in the path in the times that I don't want to. Why? Because I do love your word. That's a mature prayer. I love your word. And I want to do what's right. And I know that something in me doesn't want to read it. So make me do it even the times I don't want to. Because I know myself. Make me. Help me. Help me. Verse number uh, 36. <laughs> he says, Incline my heart to thy testimonies and not to covetousness. Notice here. He says, I want to obey your word. So incline my heart. He says, God, I want you to put something in my heart that I want to read my Bible. Fan those flames. Do something more that I want to follow after your word. He says, incline my heart. Now notice, as the first two verses was talking about intellect. Give me understanding. Teach me. Now he's talking about my heart. If we're going to be honest, our heart often makes decisions for us intellectually, we know I'm supposed to read my Bible. But our heart's like, eh, not a big deal. I don't want to. 
I don't feel like it. You know, there are times that you don't love your Bible. <gasps> Be honest, right? <laughs> we don't love our Bible. Well, here he's saying, God, I want you to do something in me that I want to read my Bible. Now, there's something to it that as we grow more and more in the Lord, I love God's word more and more. So it's less of a fight to read my Bible. Does that make sense? Yeah. But recognizing there's a fight, but this is the maturity again. Lord, make me have a desire. Make me where I just want to do. Make it so it's not even a fight no more. I want to be in your word. I want to follow your word. I incline my heart, not just my intellect, but my emotions. Make it so this is what I want to do, where I desire to do this. I want to follow after you. Notice as he goes on, he says, and not after covetousness. Do you know what the opposite of this is? Covetousness. What is covetousness? Covetousness can be defined like this. It's desiring something that's not God's will for you to have. It's desiring something that's not God's will for you to have. Now, we got Burger King commercials, flame broiled. Look at the commercials and the cheese melting and you're, you start getting hungry. And then you start thinking what I have for supper and you want the cheeseburger. You know, we, we start desiring and we start coveting over things. We start coveting over different other things. And as we start coveting, guess what? We start to feed the flesh. And our flesh is against the Bible. You know, the Bible, if we're going to be following after God, there are going to be things that we no longer desire or we choose to ignore that desire. But we start coveting. Guess what? We start wanting this and we don't want to be put to death. <laughs> we don't want, our, our flesh doesn't want to die. And so we're less inclined towards God's word. That's part of being in the flesh, right? Think about the days that you don't want to read your Bible and think about what's going on in that day. And a lot of it has to do with yourself and how you feel. I'm too tired to read the Bible. I don't want to. Because you want to get more sleep, right? I don't feel good. I hurt today. I don't want to read my Bible. What's happening? You're thinking all about you. That covetousness, all it does is bring you more about you. If you're desiring a brand new pickup truck that you can't afford, you're not going to be more inclined to read your Bible. It's going to be a fight to get to your Bible. Covetousness, the idea of thinking about self, brings us to the place where we don't read or read the Bible. And the psalmist is being honest and saying, here's is my fight. Don't bring me to covetousness. Incline my heart. I want to fall in love with your word even more. So again, we start off with that the, the psalmist has made a decision to follow after God. And remember what we had first stated. That when someone gets saved, they usually become neutral to the Bible. They don't hate the Bible, but they haven't made a decision that they're going to let the Bible rule their life. So, you know, it's good, but not for me on a daily basis. The psalmist is saying, I'm making a decision that thy judgments are good. And because thy judgments are good, teach me thy word. Because thy judgments are good, incline my heart to them. Now notice one last thing here. Thy judgments are good. Establish them 
to me. Establish them to me. Notice in verse number 37. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. The word vanity carries the idea of emptiness. And quicken me, thou me, in thy way. Now, this is an important prayer. This is a great warning in the Bible about our eyes. Turn away mine eyes. You know, a good deal of temptation comes through my eyes. Things that I look like. Think about covetousness. We just talked about covetousness. Where does covetousness enter into? Our eyes. I'm watching that Burger King commercial and I want a flame broiled Whopper made my way. I start to covet because of what my eyes. That truck that I want. That's not God's will for me to have. I'm looking at it and now I desire. A lot of things go through our eye gate. And here it says, turn away mine eyes. Now think about this. This is just a gee whiz thing. But in John chapter 8, the Pharisees had brought Jesus, um, brought to Jesus a woman caught in the very act of adultery. Now, think before answering, but... What was the first thing that Jesus did when they brought... Now, it's something subtle. What was the first thing that Jesus did when they brought the woman in the very act of adultery? The answer is, as he looked to the ground, he adverted his eyes. Think about that. Remember that when they caught the woman in the very act of adultery, that means they caught her in the very act. They didn't allow her to get dressed... They were putting her on display. And Jesus averted his eyes. Think about that. Here the psalmist with that same illustration. He says, turn away my eyes from beholding vanity. Help me to avert my eyes. Lord, that's emptiness. That flame broiled. Everybody's going to go Burger King afterwards. (laughs) That flame broiled whopper. That. Instead of eating what I have at home, I want that. Lord, help me not to put my eyes on that. That would do us a lot of good to have that type of prayer. Lord, guard my eye gate. Keep my eyes from looking. Don't let me stay looking at emptiness and vanity that's going to bring more flesh to me and keep me from following after here. Help me to guard my eyes. Guard my eyes. Notice as he goes on. Turn away from my eyes from beholding vanity and quicken thou me in the way. This is another uh, one of nine prayers of quicken me. This idea of quicken me carries the idea of revive me. Give me new life. Lord, keep me from looking at what I should and give me revival. Give me that spirit. Renew it back in me. Help me to keep my eyes on you. I want this inner strength to keep my eyes on the master and not on things. Think about those times that we're in the flesh. Think about those times we're tempted to sin. It's the times that our eyes are not on the master. They get on somewhere else. Lord, help me to keep my eyes on you. Revive me so I want to look at you. Revive me and give me the strength to keep looking at you instead of looking at the things around me. Lord, help me. Why? Because he's made a decision to follow after God. That it's not just something that would be nice. It's something he's going to put his whole heart to. He's made a decision to follow after him. Verse number 39. Turn away my reproach which I fear for thy judgments of good. He said turn away my reproach which I fear. One of the things is he feels like or if I mess up 
I'm going to mess up because people are watching me. They're waiting for some reason. I thought you were a religious person. I thought you were a Christian and you act like this. You know, we do fail and we do fall. And it's worse when we fall and fail in front of people. And he says, keep me from this. I'm making a decision. I need to have a life ruled by God's word so I don't bring shame to me. So I don't fail and mess up. Verse 40. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. Once again, we find the echoes of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7. Turn with me again, in fact, to Romans chapter 7. And we could see this echo here. That Paul had a desire. He had a heart to follow after God. But he knew that he had this struggle inside of him. He had this flesh, this carnal man that fought against it. Notice in uh, chapter 8 verse 1 and the continuation of chapter 7. In uh, chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and from death. He says, God, I need revival. I need freedom from the bondage. I need you, and it only comes from Christ. Christ, the only way I can live a Christian life is if you help me. The only way I could do what's right and follow after you is if you help me. I need you. And Christ has given the victory. How can someone, we're all wretched men, how can we follow after Christ? Well, it's not Christ. It's Christ in me. It's keeping my eyes on the Lord and Him helping me. And He frees me from the bondage of sin. I no longer have to sin. God has freed me from that. I have to choose to look towards God. And with this, we could have the echo of the psalmist. That the psalmist has made a decision. That I'm just you know not a believer. I'm making a decision that I'm going to let God's word rule my life. I'm going to let God's word dictate my path. And as I made this decision. God teach me. As I made this decision incline my heart. Lord as I make this decision. Establish them to me. The word established means to settle. It's almost like setting a foundation. Make it settled in me that I'm going to follow after you. I'm going to depend upon you and I'm going to trust after you. Help keep my eyes on you. Now as we wrap this up, we understand that you cannot live the Christian life outside of the Bible. We're going to cover that and see that both this morning and tonight. You can't live the Christian life outside of the Bible. You can't. Because it's God's word that tells us about him. It's God's word that guides us to him. It's God's word that directs our path. It's God's word. And without God's word, we cannot be directed to him. We have lots of Christians who attempt to. They're truly saved. They've accepted Christ as their savior. But they've never made a decision to follow after him. And that's a different type of life. It's a different decision. And that's one that you, every person needs to make for themselves. It's one thing to say, sure, Bible's good. The Bible's true. I'm not against it. But it's a different thing to say, I'm allowing this Bible to rule my life. I'm allowing it to dictate my path. I'm allowing it to guide me the way that I ought to do. The Bible is the way for me. 
Is that a decision that you've made in your life? Is that something you've come to the place where, Lord, because I want to follow you, I want to follow your word? Or are you at a place where I don't care? I got my fire insurance. Let me tell you, there's something wrong with a Christian who doesn't want to follow God. There's something wrong with a Christian who doesn't love God's word. May I say that there's something wrong for a Christian who has no desire to be in their Bible every day. There's something wrong. It could be that you're just so full of flesh and so little God's spirit has control. That needs to be fixed. But if we want to be pleasing to God, there is no way of being pleasing to God outside of his word. And we must have God's word to guide us, to direct us. That it has to be part of our intellectual decision. It has to be part of our emotional want to. We need God's word. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.